going to share from the Word of God today uh, a message that I'm titling here in the presence. So I've been tasked to help kick off this God with us series. And so if this is your first time here at Accelerate Church, we're so glad that you are here. Uh, we've made every preparation for you possible to help you to meet Jesus, to know God, to find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference in the world. Uh, and so we're so glad that you are here. So I'm going to be walking through Isaiah chapter 7 this morning, uh, but I'm going to focus in on one particular verse, verse 14, a very familiar passage of scripture. And this verse, it reads as follows. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. He says, see, the virgin will conceive and have a son and name him Emmanuel. Somebody shout Emmanuel. Father, I pray by your spirit today, God, that you would lead us into all truth today. Father, I thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy towards us. Father, thank you that you are with us today. And Father, I pray, God, by your spirit this morning, God, that we would be hearers of the word, but not hearers only. God, I pray that we would be doers of the word as well. And Father, when we hear these words of yours, I pray that we would respond by saying, Lord, help us to Father, it's in that that I pray, God, that you would stand in my body this morning. God, would you think through my mind? Would you speak through my mouth this morning? And let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength, and my redeemer, in who I place all my trust. Everyone says, Amen. There was a young psychology student serving in the army, and he decided to test the theory that he had. He drew kitchen duty that day, and he was given the job of passing out the apricots at the end of the chow line. He asked the first few soldiers that came by, you don't want any apricots, do you? 90% of them responded, no. We don't want any apricots. Then he tried the positive approach where he says, you do want apricots, don't you? About half of them answered, yes, yeah, sure, I'll take some. Then he tried a third test based on the fundamental either or technique. And this time he asked the soldier, one dish of apricots or two? Now, in spite of the fact that some of these soldiers didn't even like apricots, 40% of them took two dishes of apricots, and 50% of them took one dish. And this is what's happening in our passage of Scripture today as I walk through the context, is what we see is, is that the level of expectation gets raised in the presence of God. 
See, because they were presented with these apricots, not having an option whether they wanted some or not, but when they were presented with the apricots and asked how much they wanted, they responded by raising the level of their expectation. And I want to submit to you this morning that in the presence of Jesus, you've got to raise your expectations. In the presence of the Savior, you must raise your expectations. Here's why. Because, number one, the presence of the Savior brings us calm. See, when Isaiah opens up chapter 7, it opens up to the crisis for the kingdom of Judah. The Hebrew people were split into two different kingdoms after the death of King Solomon. And so you have Israel to the north and Judah to the south. Both kingdoms struggled to stay faithful to God, and eventually both were exiled. So Isaiah 7 shows the kingdom of Israel and Aram trying to invade Jerusalem, the capital city of Judah. And so King Ahaz of Judah, he's nervous about the thought of this impending invasion. The scripture says that the hearts of Ahaz and his people were trembling as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. And then God sends Isaiah the prophet to King Ahaz to give him a word. How many of you know that it's in the midst of your fear and trembling that God will show up with a word? It's in the midst of your trembling and your shaking and your fear that God will show up with a word. And here is the word that God showed up with to King Ahaz from the prophet Isaiah. He says this is a very profound and deep word. He tells him, calm down. See, he he tells him to calm down. And many of us, we need that word in our lives today. (laughs) Many of us need to respond to that word from God simply just to calm down. See, many of us, we do a lot. Amen. We do a lot. And when it comes to living the kind of life that God calls us to live and following after Jesus with our whole hearts, we simply get out of sorts and we just need to learn how to calm down. See, this word calm down, it it means it has a sense of of being on guard. It has this idea of, of understanding that regardless of how scary your circumstances is, the first vital step for you is to calm down. And I don't know who needs to hear this today, but I want to speak to you very clearly. I want to look right at you and tell you, calm down. See, this word, it talks about being on guard, and it means that, like, you're a a warrior in the battle. And oftentimes, when you're a warrior in battle, there are two responses that you have. The first response is that you want to retreat. You, You want to run away from the battle. But then other times, what you want to do is you want to run in swinging in the battle, Any of us in here want to just run and swing it at our problems? We want to just try to take care of it on our own? We want to handle it by ourselves? We run in swinging. And God is saying to you this morning, calm down. Being on guard is this critical element to fighting the battle well. Anybody remember the movie 300? This is Sparta. Anybody remember that? Y'all, y'all don't seem like y'all remember it. Okay, y'all got it. This is Sparta. See, they were fighting against the Persians, and they were in their famous formation with their shields covering one another from ankle to head. And the Persian captain tells the Spartans to drop their weapons, so someone disrespectfully launches a spear and hits him right across his chest. The Leonidas screams, hold the line, hold the line give them nothing. 
and they were holding their guard during the attacks in the battle because the Spartans valued their shield more than their spear. See, I want to preach to somebody this morning who's valuing their spear more than their shield because the scripture tells us that we have a shield and it's called the shield of faith. See, Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that in every situation, we ought to take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. The scripture goes on to tell us in Psalm 91 and 4 that he will cover you with his feathers. You will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield around you. Anybody need the protective shield of God over their lives? See, when we use the shield of faith, we access a hedge of protection that we have around us. Now, now this word uh, can mean to to hedge about with thorns. And this is wonderful here because I'm just here to tell you uh, that Jesus was hedged about with thorns on his head when they crowned him with the crown of thorns. And because of that, you can have calmness in every situation that you find yourself in. Here's why. Because if Jesus would be beaten for you to provide the solution to your sin problem, then surely the solution to your relational problem can be solved. If Jesus would be whipped and he would be beaten and spit upon for you, then surely the solution to your problems here in this life is in him so you can calm down. Next thing you got to do after you calm down is be quiet. Now, the translators here were kind to say be quiet, but the Hebrew suggests shut up. And so sometimes what God is simply telling you is, is shut up. You're talking too much. You're trying to do too much. You're trying to say too much. You're trying to defend yourself too much. You're trying to make your point too much. God is just letting you know sometimes you just got to learn how to be quiet. Sometimes you got to learn how to just sit back and let the Lord fight your battles. Sometimes you got to learn how to just sit back and do what Kendrick tells us to be humble and sit down. Because the reality is this, that you cause yourself some sleepless nights simply because you can't control your mouth. And if we are truly focused on our faith, then we can be tranquil and quiet in the midst of difficulty. And then he tells them, don't be afraid. See, that's why Isaiah is telling King Ahaz, he says, listen, Ahaz, I know you see this invasion mounting, but I need you not to be afraid. This phrase can mean to cause astonishment and awe. I love this. If, you've been, if you came to my church, you would hear me tell them from time to time is that Christians don't fear because we have a different astonishment. See, we are in awe by the same things as unbelievers are in awe by because we don't need to fear because our God is powerful and great. So the horrors of sickness don't astonish us because we know the horrors of our sin before Christ rescued us. See, the challenges of death don't astonish us because we know the death that we used to deal in before Christ entered into our lives. The fickle nature of our finances doesn't astonish us because we know the finite nature of our spiritual bank account before Christ rescued us. And so what I want to submit to you today is this, is that our astonishment produces our expectation. 
So when we are sick in our bodies, we can expect to get well because we were once sick in our souls and Jesus healed us. We were facing the death of a relationship, the death of a business, the death of an educational goal, and whatever it is, we can expect to overcome because Jesus conquers death's grip on us. When you're facing whatever hardship you're facing, whether it's financial or spiritual, whatever it is, becoming solvent is an expectation because Jesus reconciled us to God and settled our account with the Father and stamped it paid in full. So your little financial issues and your little money problems is nothing to God. That's why he tells them to stop being cowardly. I'm not going to mess with that too much. But the reality is, is that many of us are walking in fear when God has told us directly what we should do. Many of us are walking in fear and we won't take a next step even though we know what God has called us to do and how he's challenging us in our spirit, how he's trying to give us a check in our heart to move forward with the thing that he's calling us to. But we've got to stop being cowardly and walk forward with God has called us to do because the presence of the Savior provides protection from harm. The presence of the Savior provides protection from harm. Hear this in verse 5. It says that they were plotting against him. That word suggests that they were conspiring against King Ahaz. But I want to tell you that there's no greater conspirer in your life than life itself. Life be life and don't it, y'all? Like life be lifing. Life will devise a plan against you that will break you at your very core. Life will plot and plan against you so well that you will come, hear me, to expect less from the promises of God in your life. See, when you, when you are constantly being beat down and hit by life, it causes you to lower the level of your expectation of a great and powerful God. See, you start to lower your expectations of a God who created everything that you see. You start to lower your expectations of a God who set all of the orbits in the universe in their orbit. He set everything into place. He tells the ocean, don't go any further than that. He tells the stars, stay right there in your alignment. He does everything according to his power and his will, and life will cause you to doubt his power. Seek harm against you. Life will plot harm against you. <laughs> Life will plot your unhappiness and your misery. But God wants to teach us, don't lower the level of your expectation just because life is on your back. It says that they were terrorizing, attempting to terrorize him, and they were seeking to conquer after him. But I want you to watch what happens next. The enemy here is, a, is seeking to install Tepiel's son into the king, uh, as king in the people's hearts. And this word, this, this name, Tepiel, it means that God is good, it, it, or it refers to the goodness of God. And so your heart will begin to fill up with questions about whether God is good or not, and whether God will actually reign in your life when life is beating down on you. Anybody ever been there before? You, you, you ask the question, if, if God was really good, uh, I wouldn't be in the situation that I'm in right now. 
if God were truly good, I, I wouldn't have uh, this burden that I'm dealing with right now. If God were truly good, I wouldn't be facing this issue that I'm facing right now. But God wants to communicate to you today to raise the level of your expectation in your circumstances and in your life. And don't let those things in your life have power over you because you serve a God who has all power. You serve a God who has all power in his hands. There's nothing too hard for your God. And I want to communicate that very clearly to you today because in his presence, you can raise your expectations. Then he tells them here at the end of verse 9, he says, if you don't stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. In other words, God is saying to him, live by faith or you won't live at all. Some of us are holding back the life-giving truth that God wants to, 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 to express in our lives simply because we won't have faith in him. See, many of us are not living the kind of life that Christ wants us to live because he tells us in John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. There is abundant life in Jesus that you can obtain if you just have faith in him. And you've got to learn how to live with great expectations or you can expect nothing at all. That's what this passage is saying. He says, listen, if you don't stand firm, then you will not stand at all because having great expectation in your faith will cause you to last. Now, I'm not up here saying that God will give you every single thing that you want. That's not what I'm saying, because some of the stuff y'all want is weird. It's strange. I'll be asking God for stuff, and God probably be up there like, what is he talking about? No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but y'all still be mad anyway. But here's what you need to know. The presence of the Savior gives us access. I love this. Verse 10, he says, then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz. This is my Bible with the small letters. I'm struggling up here. <laughs> he says, ask for a sign from the Lord your God. It can be as deep as Sheol or as high as the heavens. That means that there's no limits on what you can ask God for. There's no limits. And as you're approaching this, this unlimited offering, I want you to hear that, that there are no limits on what God can do. And what God does on the earth, he does it through his people. And so there's no limits here. And so what he's saying is, he said, it could be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. Just ask me for whatever you will. But Ahaz replied, he says, I will not ask because I will not test the Lord. Then Isaiah responds like this in verse 13. He says, listen, house of David, is it not enough for you to try the patience of men? Will you also now try the patience of my God? See, when you won't ask God, when you have a limited expectation of God, you try the very patience of God. See, when you have a limited 
expectation about the power of God and what God is able to do. You test the very patience of God. And here's the reality. You don't need to test his patience because you have access, because you are his son and his daughter because of Christ. See, you have been adopted by G- you have been adopted by God. You are adopted into His family. That means that you have the same rights as a natural born child to ask and enter into the presence of Jesus. That's why it says in the Scripture that we enter into the throne of grace boldly, because we can have access to God the Father. I want to tell you this: in some states, adopting a child means that you can never. Write them out of your will. Y'all don't hear me here. It means that you can write, you can never write them out of your will if you've adopted them, but you can write out your natural children all day long. Like if you gave birth to them, you can get rid of them. Like you're out of the will. But if it's an adopted child, some states have the provision that you can never write them out of your will. And I want to submit to you that God was purposeful in his language and his intention when he says that he adopted us as sons and daughters. That means that you'll never be written out of his will. There's nothing that can pluck you from his hand. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There is nothing that can remove his love from you. There is nothing that can take away his purpose in your life. There is nothing that can remove the hand of God from your life. Nothing. You have access to God. Ray Orton, a great theologian, he says this. He says that God hands Ahaz a blank check and he refuses to cash it. And the reason he refuses to cash it is because he doesn't respect God. See, we don't expect from God simply because we don't respect God. See, if you truly respected the power of God, then you would raise the level of your expectation. If you truly respected the wisdom and knowledge of God, then you would know that you could raise the level of your expectation and that God would work all things out according to his purposes in Christ Jesus. But we don't expect from God simply because we don't respect God. Now, I need to note that Ahaz wasn't even a good king. He might have had the temple of the Lord, but he also worshipped other gods. He did not put his trust in God. And in the situation of possible invasion, he put his trust in the Assyrian Empire. He sent a message to the Assyrians asking for help and saying, I am your servant and your vassal. Come up and save me out of the hand of King Aram and the king of Israel. And when I hear this kind of stuff in the Bible, I know you think that that's somehow kind of disconnected and ethereal, but it's all the way connected in the redemptive kind of way where you understand that the prophets are speaking to actual kings and actual rulers during their day. So I don't want us to look at this story like it's, like it's some kind of fantastical thing. This is an actual, true, real thing that happened. And we see Ahaz going and trying to go to other people to get his needs met when God has offered him an access point to him. But instead, he chooses to follow after other things. And if you're looking at Ahaz and you're thinking something's wrong with the brother, you're right. But there's also something wrong with you as well. Because many times we are relying upon other people. We're relying upon other ideas. We're relying upon other things to give us what only God can give us. 
That's why you got to stop chasing after weird stuff and follow after God. Ahaz's problem is just like our problem. We don't expect enough from God. Because we don't expect God to be God. Simply because we can't see him. But we need to raise the level of our expectation from God. God can do deep things and he can do big things. But here's what I need you to know. It's my last point here. Is that the presence of the Savior is our promise. The presence of the Savior is our promise. Verse 14, he goes on. He says, verse 13, he says, will you now try the patience of my God? Therefore, here's the word from God. The Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive and have a son and name him Emmanuel. And by the time he learns to reject what is bad and choose what is good, he will be eating curds and honey. For before the boy knows to reject what is bad and choose what is good, the land of the two kings you dread will be abandoned. See, that thing that you're worrying about, <laughs> God is saying, if you just put your expectation in me, that thing won't even be a thing after a while. <laughs> If you just put your expectation and your hope in me, that thing that you're longing for, after a while, it won't even be an issue. That's why the scripture tells us that these are light and momentary afflictions that should not be compared with the, with the surpassing glory that shall be revealed in Christ Jesus. And so God wants to use our expectation as a sign of himself. God wants to use our expectation and our request of him healing us. He wants to use our expectation and our request of him rescuing us. He wants to use our expectation and our request of him restoring us as a sign of himself. When God answers your prayers, he's not just answering your prayers for you. When God answers your prayers, he's answering your prayers so that his glory might be revealed and might be expressed throughout the earth. And so God wants to use our expectation as a distinguishing mark. That's what a sign is. It's a distinguishing mark of our relationship with him. So I need you to see this. He says that a virgin will, will bear a child. And many theologians believe that Isaiah 7.14 is a dual prophetic fulfillment where Isaiah is speaking of an actual young woman who would bear a son during the time of Ahaz but also a future Messiah to be born. And so we know this is speaking of Jesus because in Matthew, uh, we see them quote Isaiah chapter 7 directly uh, where the angel appears to, to, to Joseph and Mary and tells them that you shall give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus or call him Emmanuel because as the scripture says that a virgin will, will conceive and give birth to a son. And so this idea here is that there are things that God wants to do in us and in our lives, but we just have to believe that he is with us. See, many times we just don't believe that God is with us. We don't believe that God is by our side. We don't believe that God is for us, and it causes us to drift away into doubt and to fear and to anxiety. But the scripture is calling us to trust in God. And so the many ways we can trust in God is that we can trust in God 
to move in our lives in such a way that people will come to know God. They'll find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. And God will use you and your prayers to make that a reality here on the earth. 